0: Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Friday, July 26, 2019. I want to start a new direction here today for Z3 News. When I first started the blog back in November 2012, what I felt in my heart to do was to start a news website. And of course, with just being one person, there's limited scope in the amount of news you can cover and so the site quickly gravitated toward what I was interested in was prophetic uh, insights so this was not something I planned in advance but I quickly started getting a crash course in prophetic ministry and I didn't realize at the beginning how much there is to learn about it but it's a very steep learning curve and when it's done right, when someone genuinely receives an insight from heaven, it can be such a blessing. It is such a blessing if we receive it by faith. And thank God there are people operating in that gifting. But one of the biggest lessons I've learned in doing this is that the overwhelming majority of the people operating in the prophetic ministry are at best getting a mixture of a little bit of something they are sensing from God and then by the time it's shared it's really more of them and their own personal views and opinions than anything else and that's not taking anything away from the prophetic ministry because it is scriptural and I've seen it in operation many times and uh, it's a huge blessing when it's done right and since we have this environment where there is both people operating in the genuine prophetic anointing and people that think they do, but they're actually spreading confusion out of their own mind and saying, thus saith the Lord, which is a very serious thing to do, but it's happening all around us all the time. But one of the things i found to help protect us is that God gives us dreams and visions, and he's done that all the way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and he's still doing it today. And the great thing about that is someone who receives that can share what they saw, what they heard, and then it's up to the rest of us to discern and determine if it means anything and what does it mean, and if it aligns with Scripture or if it doesn't, and so we can all, uh, we have something there to judge. But when someone just begins to say, Thus saith God, and they're not sharing a dream or a vision, they're just speaking what they're claiming is the words of God, well, then that's a very high standard. And anyone who does that needs to be sure that they're getting it 100% right. And my conclusion after doing this for about seven years now is be on guard whenever someone does that, uh, especially if it's someone that I don't know because, unfortunately, uh, our batting average is not that great. So, and so even within the same person, there can be a mixture. They can get something. Some, sometimes they've gotten something from God, and sometimes they've missed it. And so for me personally, I really like it when someone has a dream or a vision to share and then, you know, we've got something to start with uh, that we can judge. So that's been quite a journey uh, from where I started to where I am today. And during that same time, I've been on another journey, and that is just drawing closer to God as he's revealed things to me that I need to change in my own personal life. And I don't think I would have noticed this as much if I had not taken the time to write the book that I just completed uh, in July. But I saw in doing that a pattern where God began to show me things back in 2013 that I needed to change. And as I cooperated with him, and I began to make those changes, and I'm referring to things in my life that were not right with him. He was revealing things that I needed to repent, and make changes. And because I did, and I, I took it serious, right after that, he started giving me uh, greater insights into things through dreams and visions that have totally transformed my thinking and my perspective of the world. And it didn't start; it didn't happen overnight. This has been ongoing for seven years. But as he started showing me things, at first I had no idea what in the world this is, where is this coming from? I knew it was a God dream, but yet I didn't understand it and time would go by and eventually uh, I would get some help, uh, some clues and still just a lot of time went by as I tried to sort it all out. And it was the kind of things that, you know, I can just tell you what I saw in a dream but I can't really explain it. But what's happened over the years is God has begun, and this is the fulfillment of His promise to anyone who walks uprightly before Him, He will increase our knowledge, our understanding, our wisdom. He says He has sound wisdom stored up for the righteous. And He says in Matthew 6.33 that if we'll just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things, and all means all, everything we need to complete the assignment that he has given us to complete in our lifetime here on earth, it will be given to us. It will come to us. He'll make sure. He'll do his part in getting it to us if we'll just do our part in pursuing righteousness, hunger and thirst for it, And that's a lot of what I talked about in my book because that was a huge lesson for me, and I believe it is the lesson that he wants to uh, send forth to all of his people uh, from now until the day the Lord returns because that's our assignment as a body is to usher in his everlasting righteousness as he returns for his people. And so anyway... My entire perspective of everything has been completely transformed and I believe that's the the blessings of God I'm very thankful for it but I've also walked around in amazement wondering about all the years I spent in school and all the classes I took especially history classes where I'm now learning history has been stolen from our generation and I did not realize that it's now in these last really within the last year it started clicking and coming together and I started understanding things that I never understood before but anyway what happened was God has been removed from our schools from our textbooks and without that perspective of the role of God in our past, our human history, it's impossible to understand what has happened. And we get only a random sequence of dates and names and events that lose their meaning because we don't know what context, what what is the meaning of it? it? What does it have to do with me today? And why should I care? And it's only when you... Uh, put God back into history that you begin to see uh, the purpose, the plan, the meaning, the significance of everything that has happened in the past because its speaking to us today because as you begin to read especially the things in the Bible when you when you study the Bible in even starting back in Genesis its unveiling the future it's all there for our benefit today and so that's why it's very important that we understand history. And that's not just my opinion. King Solomon wrote that in Ecclesiastes 1.9, that that which has been is that which will be. And that which has been done is that which will be done. And so history has a long history of repeating itself. And it's happening again today. And so what happened with me is I began to get very hungry to learn history and I started just consuming all sorts of history, history of the church, history of the Romans, history of anything I could basically get my hands on. I was just hungry to learn and as I studied these things I was amazed by what I learned because I came across things in history I'd never heard before. And one of them, for instance, was the story of John Huss and the Hussite Wars. And I'm listening to this and think, what the heck? This is an incredible story of the power of God working in his people to overcome the most impossible circumstances and prevail uh, for decades and totally change the landscape of all of Europe and I thought, well, I've never heard this in my life. And I was amazed. And then I found out that this same story, all of these things are were in our history books. There's a history book called The Story of Liberty by Charles Coffin. And I heard historian David Barton sharing uh, on a program he did, explaining that this textbook for decades was taught in American schools. It was written back in the 1880s, but we don't teach these things to our children anymore, and so, you know, by the time I came along, um, I went to public school through the sixth grade, and then private school after that, I went to college, and I went to graduate school, and I never learned anything that really uh, made any sense to me when it comes to understanding what's going on in the world, and it wasn't until I began to get really hungry for history and then God started connecting the dots for me and I look back on even the books that I did read some of the books I was required to read in both high school and college I had no idea at the time what the heck is this I couldn't care less about this who cares you know I didn't there was the meaning was stolen and so now I'm learning oh wow that's a very significant book if you understand what it means but until somebody and as long as the the meaning is hidden and this is what's happened in our country we we shut down prayer in the schools early nineteen sixty sixty two sixty three we removed the bible from schools this is not the will of the people but the the supreme court uh... legislates from the bench to just deprive us of these things and So it's not long after we uh, outlawed the truth in our classrooms and outlawed God in our classrooms, we embraced a new religion of evolution and a new version of history that has completely removed God. And David Barton even pointed out that it was about that same time in the 1960s that history began to be given in our schools a completely money-centered View uh, with God being taken out, the central focus became became the economy and money. And so when we study uh, like American history, we learn only about things that mattered in the in the economic sense. and we gloss over quickly gloss over and and uh, discard their views of God and how the important role that faith played in the lives of our founders. And so today, our founders are under attack, and kids are growing up in school. All they hear is that these people were evil, they were racist, because they were slave owners, and don't, they don't even hear the full story on how many of those men uh, opposed slavery and did everything they could to, to get rid of it. And so I'm sharing all that just to say that the bottom line is we have been robbed. And because we have not understood, we've not been taught these things about our past, we are robbed of our understanding of our current times and our understanding of future times. And the only way that we're going to understand uh, where we are and where we're going is by getting the right uh, insights into what has happened in the past. And once you start seeing it, it changes everything. And a great analogy is the scene from the movie The Matrix. And I mention this in my book, but it's that scene where Neo is offered by Morpheus. If you take the red pill, you know, I'll show you how deep this rabbit hole goes. But if you take the blue pill, you'll wake up in the morning and all you'll see is blue sky ahead. And so Neo quickly decided he wanted the red pill and they showed him how deep the rabbit hole went and it's a mind boggler. And that's exactly what I feel like has happened to me as I've been shown these things. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. This is incredible. This changes everything. And so now I've been, I've been wrestling with how do I, how do I even remotely begin to share this uh, these things, and uh, I've struggled for the last couple of weeks with where do you begin, and, and then it became obvious to me, you begin at the beginning, and so what I want to do is start a series, and this is really going to be the direction of almost every uh, podcast that I think I'm going to do from from now on. I'm sure I'll uh, interject some some different things at some points along the way. But my primary focus of everything that I, my whole purpose, I believe, for being on this planet for the remaining years of my life is to uh, help God's people regain, uh, be restored to that right understanding, that clear understanding of what has happened in the past. And one of the things I really like about this is that it's based on historical facts. This is not really, you know, we're not attacking anybody. Uh, We're not promoting an agenda. These are historical facts. I mean, don't we all want to know the facts? And it's really, in our country today, it's gotten to the point where if somebody wants to just share facts, they can be attacked for that violently at times Uh, because not everybody's searching for the truth. But I'm sharing this as an open invitation to anyone who is genuinely hungry to know the truth, to understand their current times and the future, to join me on this journey as we go back to the beginning. And I'm going to share today from the book of Genesis. Uh, But as I share, I'm going back and forth from Genesis to Revelation so that we can make connections and and bring out the meaning of what what happened back then. And it's an eye-opener because the whole Old Testament, as I mentioned, it reveals the future. And when you start seeing it in that context, it's like, oh my gosh, there it is. It's been there all along. I've read over that a hundred times. Never knew what it was. And so my topic today is to expose the spirit of Babylon by going back to Genesis and pointing out the themes that started there and have continued throughout all history. And if we just start in this podcast, I'm starting with the the specific event of Adam and Eve partaking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there's a whole lot of insights wrapped up in that event. Because that was ground zero. That was the starting point for the beginning of Satan's kingdom on earth, which we see in Revelation is referred to as Babylon. And that refers to the ancient Babylonian civilization when Noah and his family uh, came out of the ark and they landed, the ark landed up on top of Mount Ararat, which is located in modern Turkey, when they came down, they came down as the, the earth dried, they came down and they um, moved into the plains of what is now called Iraq. And in that area, they began to repopulate the earth. And that region is known as Mesopotamia. But one of the main cities in that region was Babylon and that became a major kingdom an empire uh, later on and the events that un- unfolded there in Babylon continued throughout later empires and are continuing all the way through and then in the book of Revelation we see before the Lord comes back and when he returns he destroys what is called mystery Babylon Babylon So Babylon is just a name for Satan's kingdom on earth, and God's going to utterly destroy it, but what I'm going to try to point out is how it's been in operation throughout all of history, and the reason we need to know that is it's in operation today, and it just happens to be the prevailing uh, ruling kingdom on this earth. Satan is called the god of this present world, and thank God we who have received the Lord Jesus Christ, have been given victory over Satan's kingdom, and so we are not subject to it, but yet we live in a fallen world, and this world is filled with his deceptions. But we don't want to be victims of his lies. We want to be able to expose him, and that's one of the things Satan hates the most, and I'm going to get into that. But how can we be effective in our fight against his kingdom when we can't even see what's happening? We need, we need our eyes clearly opened so we are, in, we are discerning what is of God and what is a lie. And the first point that I want to share from Genesis and that account of Adam and Eve is the command that God gave to Adam saying that for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die and he's referring to the tree in the center of the garden he said all the other trees uh, you can freely eat from but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if you eat from that tree you're going to die and that's exactly what happened immediately after they ate from that tree it says their eyes were opened and they began to see themselves in a different way And it's because their relationship with God, where they had been in close fellowship with him, literally walking in the realm of God's glory, as soon as they partook, as soon as they uh, turned their, their back on God's command to obey and partake of Satan's lies, they entered into deception and they entered into death, spiritual death, immediately. But then afterwards, Adam... Uh, and Eve both died in that day that day being as to the Lord a thousand years they both died before they reached the age of 1000 and I know that sounds absurd to us today but God designed us to live forever and ever and it took 930 years before Adam's physical body finally died but it was within that one day parameter that he set One way to think about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is like a family tree that just keeps going for generation to generation. And the way that this tree uh, is passed down is through the seed. And when they partook of the fruit, the fruit is where the seed is. The seed is contained within the fruit. And by partaking of that fruit, they receive the seed of that tree. And Every seed, the way God designed it, is seed has the power to reproduce after its own kind. And so when you partake of that kind of seed, uh, it reproduces uh, the power of that tree. And the power of that tree is exactly what God said it was. It is death. And so death is the first attribute, the first theme that we find in Satan's kingdom. It runs throughout the spirit of Babylon is the spirit of death. And it goes all the way throughout history and all the way until the end. And in the final book of the Bible, in Revelation 18, verse 24, it says, And in her, referring to the woman who is called Mystery Babylon, In her was found the blood of prophets and saints, but it doesn't stop there. It says, and of all who were slain on the earth. That is quite an amazing statement, and I just read it right from the Bible. But yet, if you're like I've been most of my life until just recently, you would read that verse and you'd say, well, that doesn't make sense. But when you start studying history and you start understanding the spirit of Babylon operating in all these kingdoms and you start seeing uh, the spirit of Babylon operating in our current times and you start seeing the scheme of Babylon going forward until the end and you start understanding that that is exactly what has happened is they are responsible. This spirit is responsible for all who are slain on the earth. It doesn't say all who died, because people die of all kinds of reasons, old age, whatever. But those who were slain with violence and force, brute force, Babylon is behind it. So anyway, that's an interesting point, isn't it? And just based on that one point alone, Um, you can begin to rethink uh, everything that we've been taught about history. And I mean everything. I mean every movie that we've watched, every news report that we've heard, every history book that we've read. We need to open up our heart to receive from the Scripture what God has to say so that we walk in His insights in his knowledge, and his understanding, and we see the scheme. We see Babylon. It's exposed. Satan has worked throughout the generations to hide and operate under cover of darkness, but the people of God are translated out of his kingdom and walk in the light of God, so we can begin to see and expose him. And so as we study history and as we look back on what we've been taught and start to reconsider some things, um, we should be especially paying attention to any kind of mass casualties, mass uh, murders, where millions of people or, or large numbers of people perished because those events, often it's through wars, but other times it's through orchestrated events um, designed to kill people through famine and diseases. And when we see these events, we need to have our spiritual eyes and ears um, alert to begin to recognize in the context of this scripture. And by doing that, we start to see patterns, themes, this is the same spirit, running the same plays out of the same playbook over and over through the centuries, and so then we begin to when we see those patterns, we can begin to see it operating right now, and we see where it's headed. And I heard someone describe it: it's like when you study history, it's like it's like looking at a huge river, and you see it flowing, and as you see where it's come from. Um, it's not that hard to understand where it's headed. It just continues along the same course. It's not. It's not like it comes out of nowhere, and it come, doesn't come out of left field. It just. It's a continual repeating pattern. And when we look at this uh, woman, this mother of all harlots, in the book of Revelation, um, we get a lot of insights there into this kingdom of Babylon, because it says in the previous chapter, chapter 17, verse 6 of Revelation, says, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Now, that makes sense that she would um, target Christians because she's filled with the spirit of Antichrist that's been operating in the earth from the beginning. And so whenever we see the, the uh, persecution and the killing of Christians throughout history, we know that this is the spirit that's behind it. So all of that makes perfect sense. But the part I'm trying to point out is that it's not limited to that. And that's shown in that verse from uh, chapter 18, verse 24. This spirit targets Christians first and foremost, because we're of the opposite spirit. This is a spirit of Antichrist trying to advance its agenda, and Christians, um, especially Christians who live like Christians and act like Christians, we pose a great threat to their kingdom. We're never going to submit, and that's what it's all about. This, this spirit of Babylon, this kingdom of Babylon, is looking for submission because it wants to rule the whole earth, it wants to prevail, and anyone who stands in its way, it wants them out of the way, it wants to remove them, kill them, and it has done this throughout history, it is a merciless, brutal spirit that will kill women, children, elderly, doesn't matter, no regard for human life whatsoever. And this is the spirit that has operated as I mentioned, the kingdom of Babylon, and then it was passed down through various kingdoms, and the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel, he saw these kingdoms as represented by beasts, and he saw the fourth beast, which also corresponded with um, the lower legs and feet of the statue. In uh, in Daniel chapter 2, he he uh, interprets a dream from King Nebuchadnezzar in which the king saw this great statue whose head was gold, whose uh, shoulders and arms were silver, and his uh, mid part was, uh, was uh, brass, and then his legs were iron and clay. And that kingdom of the two legs of iron that, that then formed into feet of a mixture of iron and clay, is what Daniel described as a fourth beast, and this this fourth beast, he saw that it was different from all the others. That's a clue. Um, we're going to get it, into that later, but the point I wanted to bring out is in Daniel 7, verse 19, he called this beast exceedingly dreadful, with teeth of iron and nails of bronze, and that it, it devoured broken pieces and trampled the earth with its feet. And what he's seeing there is the late stages of Babylon. And so you have in Babylon, just like Nebuchadnezzar's statue, you have a progression where it starts with gold and it, it, uh, it gets corrupted along the way. And it becomes more deadly, more dreadful. And uh, by the time you get uh, to the end, Uh, The season before the Lord returns, um, the kingdom of Babylon is going to be a bloodthirsty beast on the earth. And for a very short time of 42 months, the Lord has told us in Revelation 13 that he's going to allow this kingdom, he's going to allow Satan to finally have what he's always wanted, total dominion, total control over the earth for this brief period of time. And uh, God has his purposes for doing it, but I believe he's allowing Satan to uh, indict himself beyond any uh, debate for all time and all eternity, that if he was allowed to have his way, um, look at the crimes, look at the destruction, the devastation. And so the this, the judgment sentence against him and all who follow him uh, will be forever indisputable in in the eyes of everyone. And so death is the number one um, character trait of Babylon, and that was demonstrated by King Nebuchadnezzar that anyone who refused to bow down and worship his statue was thrown into a fire. And we see the same pattern repeating itself at the end when the second beast uh, the false prophet in Revelation chapter 13, he um, has an image of the beast made, and he um, mandates that everyone must worship the beast, and those who refuse are killed. This is the way this kingdom operates. So that pattern continues all throughout history from beginning to end. That tree of knowledge of good and evil produces the fruit of death. Now, the next point that I want to bring out that's revealed from that encounter at that tree is deception. And we see that when the serpent confronts the woman and tells her in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now this reminds me of the way our federal government comes up with names for a lot of the bills that they pass, such as the Affordable Health Care Act, because the pattern that I've noticed is the the actual legislation is the exact opposite of whatever they named it to be. And so the affordable Healthcare act is actually the unaffordable health care act. And that's exactly what happened with Satan. You can just take the exact opposite of whatever he said there, and it would read, For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be closed, and you will be totally unlike God, not knowing the difference between good and evil and so everyone who partakes of the fruit of that tree receives into themselves deception this is the lie of Satan she bought the lie and she took the fruit and she ate it and she she was immediately deceived and so we see this pattern operating in this kingdom that it does not operate out in the open it operates like their father the devil uh, deceptively with lies claiming publicly one thing while secretly doing the very opposite and we see this in revelation 13 with the beast uh, the first beast who rises up out of the sea and the second beast who rises up out of the earth this second beast is described as having two horns like a lamb but yet he speaks like a dragon. And so, this man is going to have the appearance of a lamb, which is a reference to the Lamb of God. He has an appearance of one who is innocent and one who is godly. And this is the man who will lead the one world religion. But yet he speaks like a dragon, because he's filled, his heart is filled with the spirit of antichrist and so we see that he is not he is the opposite of what he appears to be and then he deceives the whole world performing great signs even calling down fire from heaven to show the people that he has the power of God and it's not the power of God it's the power of Satan and it's false signs and wonders But yet, this is how he's going to deceive the whole world. This is the the fruit of the tree. Uh, They're going to receive deception, great deception. And this is the very thing that Jesus warned about. When the disciples asked him to tell them the signs preceding his return, signs that we can watch for to let us know that his return is soon, the very first thing that he warned about was deception. And uh, of all the things that he could have said, that was his number one concern that he wanted us to know about. Deception. As if this generation would face unprecedented uh, deception. And what an incredible warning that is for us to be on guard that our generation is in danger of being deceived, and here I just started this podcast by explaining to you that I've been marveling at how I've lived my whole life not knowing uh, basic uh, historical facts that have been stolen from our generation, and that is a that right there reveals a scheme, a scheme of the, the same spirit of Babylon to rob us of the truth for the purpose of leading us into deception so that we don't know, we can't connect the dots, we can't make sense of it. And so we're just led like sheep to the slaughter because we can't see what's going on. And that is not the will of God for us. That's not the plan of God for us. He wants us to be filled with knowledge and insights and understanding, so that we are recognizing these things. But what a coincidence that Jesus is giving this warning. And here it is, our generation, we're seeing, has been robbed of our understanding, has been lied to. And so the very first thing Jesus told his disciples was, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And this warning of deception, he mentioned it first, but then he went on to repeat it, and totally said it four times, so he repeated himself three times. And this is a relatively short passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 24. And so, this must be a very important topic for, specifically for, The final generation before his return. And I am convinced that that is our generation. And in my book, Remnant, I shared reasons why I believe our generation is the final generation. I documented the signs of the times that Jesus told us to watch for, uh, specifically eight signs. And he told us that whenever we see the generation that sees, these signs will not pass away before all of them are fulfilled. So if eight of them have started being fulfilled, that's more than enough uh, evidence to show that we are in that season. And if we are in that season, then we're the ones that he's giving this warning to, this super important warning. And his statements are so short. The whole passage is relatively short. Um, it's easy to just read right through it and not have a slightest idea what the heck is he talking about, but given the importance that he placed on this warning, I think it's it's worth just taking a lot of time here, and I'm not gonna do it right now, but i'm just I'm just saying my opinion is that this passage is worth stopping. And just uh, spending time to understand what is he what is he warning us about? what What do you mean deception? what what specifically are you talking about? Help us to understand so that we are not deceived. And it's something that you know every believer should take seriously. Uh, it's coming directly from our Lord. And he's he's speaking specifically to our time. And so what is he talking about? What, is he, what does he mean, this uh, deception? And what is he talking about with those who come in his name? So I'm not going to go into it in great detail, but I am going to take just a couple minutes here to go through uh, and help us think through what is he talking about. Because if you look at those two verses... Uh, that I just read, verses 4 and 5. Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So he starts with a warning of deception, he ends with a warning of deception, and in between, he mentions those who come in his name. So his warning is like a sandwich with poison in between two pieces of bread, because uh, you don't see the poison it's there and if you eat the sandwich you're gonna die but the bread hides it so you think it's all okay and it's kind of ironic because he's warning us you know it's coming from those who come in his name and as Christians you know we listen to we develop trust in the other Christians that we choose to listen to or else we wouldn't even be wasting our time listening if we didn't trust them but what happens is um, it's in those situations um, when we're letting our guard down um, that we're the most vulnerable. And that is a very cruel, um, evil uh, plot of, of Satan to come in his name because um, he's attacking in our most trusted relationship, our relationship with God which is the central relationship in all of our lives, he's coming at us in that place uh, from that position where we've let our guards down and we receive the poison, thinking um, that it's from God. And so what he's telling us is beware of imposters. They're going to come in his name, and they're going to say that 'I, I am the Christ. And, what they're saying uh, by making that claim is that they alone have the way of salvation. And so this is a common characteristic that you see with religious cults where they tell their followers that if you don't listen to me, if you don't do what I'm telling you, um, you're going to be eternally lost because um, we have this special insight that only we have been given and everyone who doesn't, those who don't follow us, they're lost. Unfortunately, many people have fallen for those kinds of deceptions. The difference between those kinds of deceivers, those imposters, is that true Christians will not point their followers to themselves, but will selflessly point them to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that they can hear directly from him. Um, These imposters put themselves in the middle of that relationship so that they become a requirement. So anytime we hear someone trying to put themselves in between us and God, we can therefore know don't follow them because they're imposters. The true spirit of God, a true Christian, doesn't do that. And it gets very deceptive because these imposters know the things to say to make themselves sound like genuine Christians. They know what a conversion testimony sounds like. They'll come up with fake testimonies, and they'll use phrases that uh, we would recognize and would tend to uh, cause us to drop our guard. And I'm talking about phrases like strong presence of the Holy Spirit, or a powerful anointing. And those are the kinds of things that true Christians uh, say, but just because someone says those things, it doesn't mean they're a true Christian. And when we take the warnings that Jesus gave us in the context of this woman, this mystery Babylon, mother of all harlots, that we find in Revelation 17 and 18, then we can understand that this woman operates by deception, and she's called the mother of all harlots, so she has many daughters, and as her daughters, they would operate, um, they would be of the same kind, they would also operate um, by deception, deception is the way of Babylon, and so none of these, Um, neither her nor her daughters are what they appear to be Um, they have an outward disguise and by having all these daughters um, that gives her um, front groups in effect a front group to operate to advance her cause under a different name and since we've already been told Jesus warned us that um, this spirit this spirit of deception comes in his name then we can recognize that the mother harlot is the one who comes in his name and her daughters more than likely in many cases would not come in his name because they would then lose their effectiveness as front groups. It would be more effective if they could operate under some other kind of name um, perhaps a secular organization it could be a religious organization but it would be something different about it um, so that you break that trail um, and they can provide a a trail that leads back to the mother so it's all about hiding in the darkness behind layers and layers of deception and so by the time you get done you have all these uh, daughter harlots who are providing um, cover for the mother harlot and it makes it very difficult to know who's behind these things Um, and you see all these um, potential suspects and people following those trails and trying to pin all the blame on them and that's why we need help and we need Jesus's warning so when he's telling us to beware of the ones who come in his name that helps us locate the right culprit the right rabbit hole to follow. And so many people, uh, you can go on YouTube, you can see all the books uh, and videos that are out identifying all the world's trouble coming from different groups, like, for instance, the big bankers, the deep state, evil politicians, evil corporations, the communists, the Illuminati, the Muslims, and probably the all time favorite villain for this world is the Jews. They get blamed for just about everything. But if you go back to the warning Jesus gave us, none of those could be the mother of all harlots because none of them come in his name. So they might be, there might be people operating within those circles that are um, operating as harlots in behalf of the mother, but they're not the ultimate uh, culprit to beware of they're not the right rabbit hole to follow and i want to bring out one more point that jesus mentioned in his warning was he said they will deceive many and i believe that's a clue that this deception that's coming is like what's described in revelation 13 it ultimately encompasses the whole world everyone whose name is not written in the book of life is going to bow down and um, worship the beast, and take his mark, and so the scope of what we're dealing with here is a worldwide. It's a it's a large scale um, deception, and the closer we get to the end, the larger it gets, and the more global it gets. And so, if we want to um, consider, you know, there's so many layers of deception, then we're not we're not. Uh, in all those backroom meetings we're not in any of those backroom meetings to know who is meeting and what they're saying but what we can do is look for evidence of a large-scale deception and when we do that um, we don't have to look any further than our own um, nightly news programs that are coming right into our homes because there is historical evidence documented evidence proving that the news media in the United States is controlled by the United States Central Intelligence Agency, and that's not just my opinion, that's a historical fact that's been documented um, in research and actually even a congressional investigation back in the 1970s, but this goes back even further than that. It, it goes back to the very beginning of the CIA. Um, back in, They were founded in 1947 but back in those early days in the 1950s they were teaching their agents to be journalists and putting them in positions with major news organizations. And that was documented by Carl Bernstein back in 1977. Um, he did extensive research into the news organizations and CIA CIA agents who had joined their staff, including organizations like ABC, NBC, CBS, Associated Press, UPI, New York Times, Newsweek, Time Incorporated, Hearst Newspapers, the Miami Herald, Saturday Evening Post, the New York Herald Tribune, Now, back in those days, there was no Fox News or CNN. They didn't exist at the time. But basically, the CIA was blanketing the entire news coverage and writing um, and editing the news stories that the American people were being led to believe were the findings of independent journalists seeking the truth. And his findings were confirmed... Um, in congressional investigations back in the 70s and they found that the CIA director from the very earliest days, Alan Dulles was very closely connected with the top leaders of the media organizations. They regularly dined together, were close friends and so it was like one interwoven network and later these findings from The congressional investigations and Carl Bernstein were confirmed by about 30 years of research conducted by investigative journalist Douglas Valentine, who then wrote a book called The CIA as Organized Crime, and he made a statement that I want to read here because it summarized his findings. He says it's pretty much of a fallacy to think of the CIA as different from the media they're the same thing, and I try to show how they're basically the same people. They went to the same schools, they go to the same parties, publishers and top editors, and the people who run the CIA and the military and basically the highest-ranking people in every part of the bureaucracy and the executive branch and certainly the judicial branch in terms of the Justice Department. But all these people at the highest level are basically the same group and any distinctions between them are really artificial and they have the same objectives and they put the same management and organizational systems in place to weed out anybody who cannot assimilate ideologically and this was confirmed again recently with uh, documents that were obtained through the Freedom of Information Act about four thousand pages of formerly. Classified archive documents show that the CIA and the Pentagon have been working behind the scenes on at least eight hundred major motion picture movies and more than a thousand television programs, and those are only the ones we know about. And there's such a uh, backlash against anybody that put puts forth a theory like this, but yet Jesus put forth these things. He was what you might call the first conspiracy theorist because he's the one that warned us about these things. And so if he's saying it's okay um, to beware of these things and to um, be on the alert regarding these things and to know that these things are operating behind the scenes, well, then it's okay even regardless of what anybody else wants to say about it, if they want to criticize us, and call us a conspiracy nutcase, you know, that, that would be just like the devil to try to discredit anyone who is exposing his operations. But what it means for us is that we are being manipulated. We are being controlled. The information that I mentioned earlier, uh, the truth, has been taken out of our schools, and out of our textbooks, and then we're being indoctrinated with a different version of reality coming to us through the media, and the media, you know, in our generation has become so powerful, and so many of us are bombarded, um, you know, we get bombarded from all sides um, by television, movies, um, and, and that includes the alternative media, YouTube and the books that are out. and We have to be on guard because there is clearly an attempt to uh, control the information that we get to control um, public opinion. And, uh, you know, in the hands of the wrong people, that's a very dangerous thing. And I believe all the evidence shows that it is in the hands of the wrong people right now. So those are some points that I wanted to bring out, but that's just the first two points. I'm going to stop there for today because I think I've gone long enough. So thanks for joining me today, and I hope to be back again soon with another program. Until then, so long.